beginning in verse 14, the reading of the Word of God. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond what we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Father, give us ears to hear, as the Apostle Paul's praying for this to be Christians' lives, running at full bore, full power, full energy of you who spoke existence into being. Let us decrease that you may increase. In Christ's name, amen. I remember listening to R.C. Sproul one time years ago, and he made a comment. He said that the worst 18 inches in existence of humanity is between our heads and our hearts. We have a lot of stuff we have in our heads, but for whatever reason, we don't ever generate it to our hearts. And, and I thought about that, and I thought, you know, that is absolutely, absolutely true. I know, I probably know more people who have head knowledge and their life doesn't fit the knowledge than I know people who have the head knowledge and as I've been told, they flesh it out. It is seen. Uh, that, that's a tragedy, but I also understand as I read through this that the Apostle Paul knew that this existed, and he knew there was only one way to fix it. Prayer. Okay? This text, literally, is how do I get that information out of my head and get it into my living? Okay? How do I get my Christianity functioning? I mean, you and I know a whole bunch of people that we've been associated with who ain't functioning Christians. They got the theology, but all it is is a bunch of stuff between their ears. And, and it hasn't come. So what Paul gives us here is how to do this. How do I get this information that I know? And it's, listen, I want you to understand something. I'm not here to pick on anybody. The writer of Hebrews says you ought to be teachers by now, but you have to be given the elementary principles. Okay? So we have to understand that this phenomenon isn't new to this age. Okay? It was around in the first century church. I look at this letter here to the church in Ephesus, and then I can go to the letter to the church in Ephesus in Revelations, and I see their doctrine is there. They have the information. They are doing things. They are busy. But they've lost their first love. 
Okay? So it's, it's, not, it's not a new thing. All right? But I want us to understand it and how it works. It's, it's a five steps, five sequences that you have to have the inner strength by the person of the Holy Spirit. Then Christ will indwell you comfortably. You will then experience miraculous love. Then you will have infinite fullness. And last but not least, internal power. Okay? Paul prays that we would have these things. He was praying it for the church in Ephesus. He was praying it for the believers. Okay? I want you to understand something. These are connected. I told you in the Greek, it's henna. These are henta purpose clause. Okay. The word henna in the original language is in order that. Okay. So it falls five times here. One leads to another. Okay. But here's the key. They must be in order. All right. This is how... To use the subtitle of this message, this is how you start your engine. This is how you start running on divine power, divine energy, on divine resources. Chapter 1, he's already showed you who you are in Christ. What does it mean to be a Christian? But he also understands that you can have that information, but if you don't start using the source and the resources that have been given to us, you ain't doing nothing. Well, you are, but it usually makes other people irritable. But that's usually what you're doing. Okay? How do a Christian is to get to the place where he or she functions in maximum performance? Okay? And we, we've been working our way through this. It starts with the inner man, verse 16. Alright, that God would grant you strength in your inner man by the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. It is literally the changing of the inner man. We have to allow the Spirit to have control. Your inner man will be strengthened only when the Holy Spirit has control of the inner man. Okay, that's that part that nobody sees. I mean, we can govern ourselves. You know, certain things that if we got caught doing, we know that, well, that was dumb. Okay, but there's other things that go on between those little ears of ours that are they really glorifying to God? All right, that's when you start having the problem. And then the Holy Spirit is slowly tapping. Hey. 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 And you're not getting stronger on in the inner man. Your inner man will only, only be strengthened when the Holy Spirit has control of the inner man. Okay? Our responsibility in that process is to yield to Him. It's that simple. All right. When you are no longer ruled by self. Got it? Everybody's got that? Because that's the conflict. 
because there's always times that I know that we have to give God some advice. Right? Because I know that he's waiting eagerly for me to instruct him on how this should work out. Okay? When you no longer do just what you want, but you learn moment by moment, step by step, one day at a time, and you yield control to the Holy Spirit. Now, let me explain this to you. When you got saved, okay, whenever it was, I don't care whether you was raised in a church, I don't care. When you got saved, immediately your body starts, your conscience starts trying to gather information. Okay, what does this mean? I mean, you know, we, the, the Baptist people run around and say, well, you got to be born again. Well, what does that mean? Okay, I mean, Nicodemus didn't understand it, and he was the teacher in Jerusalem. He didn't know what it was. What does it mean? Okay, and you start getting this information. But as this information starts appearing, at first it's kind of cool. Yeah, this is all right. But eventually, and usually quickly, all of a sudden, it becomes convicting. It's like, uh uh-oh, uh-oh. I should, oops, oop. Okay? At the beginning steps, usually when you are convicted, what do you normally do? You can say, no, not in the beginning. You ignore it. You ignore it. I remember a young believer decades ago when I was sitting and talking to him. He says, I don't want to read my Bible. And I was like, well, you know, how are you going to grow? He says, if I read that thing, I'm responsible for what he shows me. And I was like, you know what? You're smarter than most Christians. Because that is true. Once you read it, guess what? You're up. And we used to call it, we call it, we got cute little things. Well, God gave me a pop quiz. You know, just out of nowhere. Poof. How are you going to do? Okay. And, and you get that. That's how it starts. Right? You want to ignore it. I don't want to say, I don't, if I don't read it, then I'm not guilty of not knowing it. <laughs> All right? Don't work that way. Okay? But as you proceed in your walk with Him, all of a sudden you realize that when you are obedient and you have yielded, all of a sudden you have peace, you have joy, there's a gentleness. Okay, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, that was kind of cool. Okay, I kind of like that. And then, then you grow a little more, you grow a little more. And as you grow, you start making more and more. As you grow, you start getting more and more information. You get more and more reality. And as that happens, all of a sudden you find yourself a little farther down the line of when he shows you something, ah, uh, let's debate that, Lord. Let's discuss why that is, Lord. Okay? That's what we do next. And then eventually you will outgrow that. That's, that's having the theology. I remember a phase that I went through right after that is that I had plenty of Bible knowledge. 
but I had enough Bible knowledge that I always wanted to use other verses to try to defeat the verse that I was looking at. Okay, to talk myself out of this one because of this one. Okay, and then you realize that you're trying to push a chain. <laughs> you, you just ain't going to get nowhere. All right? Then eventually you start seeing that when he removes something from your life, he replaces it with something that is much, much better. It's only perfect. And you get enough of those linked together, then you're yielded to the Spirit all the time. Because why? It makes you smile inside and out. And you know what? It doesn't really matter what the world, what happens or what people say or what people do or what my job does or what relationships are falling apart around me. None of that matters. Why? My conscience is clean before a holy God. Because, see, you've got that little thing in there, your conscience, that it can just be one of the most annoying things you can own. Because you can be just perfect on the outside and smiling and happy and active and all the rest of it. But if your conscience is bugging you, guess what? It's just a bad place to be. Now then, I believe that the world hasn't got any way to help someone in the inner man. There's nothing there. The world has absolutely nothing. What they call today counseling or psychology or whatever you want to call it, all that is is behavior modification. It did not do anything on the inner man. Okay? When you are dealing with the heart, the soul, the spirit, and the inner man that is possessed by every human being, the world has no answers. I don't care. You can sit and tell me all day long. Psychology, that word, is the study of the spirit. And they're still studying. They're still studying. There, do you realize how much has been written since Freud? And you know what? It's a waste of good paper. It absolutely is. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't accomplish anything. You know what it is? It's a money maker. I, you know, everybody, you can say, well, I can't believe. No, that's what it is. It's a, it's a dandy. You know why I know it's a dandy? I know churches in Castle Rock right now who can now take your health insurance to give you counseling. You know what you just told me? It's a moneymaker. It's a moneymaker. All right? But let me tell you something. It will have no effect on the inner man. You know what I call it? A mental block. Okay? Let me explain that to you. We have a whole block of people who are mental. Okay? And that's what they blame everything on. I have whatever. A-D-D-H-T-A, whatever. You know, we've got all kind of little things that we can call it. No, man. No. You need to be stronger in the inner man. 
And you know what? You can go sit in a counselor's office every day for four hours a day for the rest of your life. And it will do absolutely nothing but take your money. Okay? Listen, I have experienced the Holy Spirit. Because everything that the psychologist said, I have. Attention deficit, oh, you betcha. I thought I was the father of it. I mean, gee whiz. If you, if you ever watched what was going on between my ears when I was studying, you'd think, my God, how does he get anything done? His brain's just going to pinball all over the place. What is, I don't know. I think I'll get up and walk. I walk out of my office, walk into Stephanie's, stand there for a second, go, I wonder what I'm doing in here. And I'll turn around and walk back into my office and sit down again. And, and, you know, people will say, well, what is he doing? I know what it is. And they say, well, you've got ADAA. You know what you want to do? Give me a downer. That's great. Okay? They can't do it. You can't fix the inner man. But I have experienced the Holy Spirit. I've gone into my office before a little frustrated with situations and things like that and sit down in my chair and say, Spirit of the living God, keep my butt in this chair. I can sit there for seven hours riding away. But if I go in there and I don't say that, <laughs> I'm wandering aimlessly. <laughs> so I used to take a, one of these uh, pocket tape recorders with a little bitty cassette. And I'd walk around and talk into that thing, just wandering around, talking into it. And then I'd sit back and play it and say, what was I saying? So I could get it all down. But I have yielded to the Spirit. If there's going to be a change, it is us yielding to Him. Don't debate Him. Don't ignore Him. Don't do the stick your head in the sand. If I don't, I'm not listening, I'm not listening. You can't do it. Because you'll sit there and go, I'm still talking to you. How many of us Remember when they call it the Lord's Prayer when his disciples asked him to pray. We all remember that. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy be thy name. Thy kingdom come. What does it say next? And he gives you a reference on earth as it is in heaven. Do you think the angels ever debate God when he says, I want you to go do this? No, man, they're standing in line. I'm next. I'm next. All right, got it. Got it. Got it. They want that will done in heaven down here on earth. Let me ask you a question. How are you doing with that? When you yield to the Holy Spirit, it's a piece of cake. When you kick against the goad, every once in a while you get that little sharp end and you make contact. And you go, ow. <laughs> Lord Jesus himself said, not my will, but yours will be done. Each time you yield that decision, okay, or that thought, 
Each day you do that, the spirit of the living God will strengthen you in the inner man. But you have to yield. And you can call them pop quizzes. You can call them whatever you want to call them. I remember for a long time, I used to call them booby traps. (laughs) I'd be cruising along and boom, oops, sorry. As you continue, the inner man gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And it becomes easier and easier to say yes to the Holy Spirit and no to sin. I remember last year, was it last year? Yeah, last year I was gone for a month into Central Asia. And some of you guys remember I came back very sick. And before I had gone, I was working out at the gym five days a week. So anyway, I got back here and started doing the doctor stuff and all the rest of it. I couldn't do nothing. I couldn't even hardly see. I coughed all the time. It was pneumonia and all this other stuff. And I didn't get back into the gym because that was the end of October, 1st of November last year. I didn't get back into the gym until late January. And I couldn't do nothing. I mean, it was incredible. You know what fly machine is? It's got these things you go like this. When I left for Central Asia, I was doing 60, 10 sets, 60 times of 300 pounds. Okay? When I came, got back into the gym, I couldn't even do 100. And I'm sitting there going, you've got to be kidding me. But see, I was off for that time. You know what? The same thing happens when you are living spiritually, if you don't keep at it, you'll wake up and your spiritual muscles will be flabby. And then you have to start all over again. And you're going to get back at it again. And then get gee whiz. Because I, I tell you what, I'm, tomorrow I'll go back to the gym. I've had Saturday and Sunday off. And I know it'll be harder on Monday than it will be by Friday. Just because I had two days off. But I ain't going seven days a week. I just, I can't bring myself to that. All right? I remember somebody, and I can't remember who it was, but on spirituality was the definition. Spirituality is the decreasing frequency of sinfulness. Okay, that happens when the inner man is strong. Sin decreases as we yield to the spirit. Because you're strengthening of the inner man and it becomes easier to say yes to him. That's where it begins. Okay, so the first thing you got to be aware of is that I have to yield to the Holy Spirit. To his promptings or to just his counsel. All right. That leads to that next verse there. Verse 17. That leads to kato kasaid. Kato kasaid. That's the word indwelling. It's a compound word. When the Holy Spirit is in control of your life, Christ settles down and becomes comfortable he becomes at home. First part of 17. He wants to be at home in each of us. Did you know that? Not just hanging. He wants to be comfortable. In all of his majesty and glory and holiness. 
in each of us. He, for him to be comfortable, go look at the pictures of him in heaven. His veil fills the temple. And it's white. Absolute white. Go look at the pictures. The floor is like water. And it reflects His glory and His man. He wants that in you. He wants that in you. You know what that means? He wants clean surroundings. Where He doesn't have to always be cleaning up the messes. The Son of God, Holy Incarnate God, comfortable in the believer. All right? That leads us, that, that fact alone is what Paul speaks of in 2 Corinthians 3.18. We are being conformed into His very image from glory to glory. Come to the full measure of the stature of Christ. And then we end up being like John the Baptist. I must decrease. He must increase. Christ likeness. Christ in every ounce of your being. Ever thought about that? His person and his presence absorbing you. Absorbing you. Because when that happens, look at 17b, second half there, that he may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded. In love, rooted and grounded. Okay, do you understand that that is the beginning of a real love life beyond human nature? It's beyond human understanding. It's what Paul says. That is the beginning. That strength in the inner man and Christ becomes comfortable. And guess what happens? You used to have the beginnings of a real love life. Everyone wants to be filled with love. Everybody wants to be loved. I don't care who you are. Because you know what? Let's be honest with you. The opposite of love is hatred. And all hatred does is just tear up things. And it's usually the person who's carrying it is is torn up. But they like to share. Everyone wants a love life. I mean, we surround ourselves with family, we surround ourselves with friends, we have some that are closer than others. We do all of these things because it is our yearning of the human being to be loved. And yet Christ in you is the beginning of your love life when he is comfortable. When he's not straightening up the messes. Overwhelming love can only come from a life that is overtaken by the greatest love ever. The Lord Christ Jesus. Other than that, it's always self-centered love. 
when Christ feels us. Now think about this. If Christ is filling you, then what is love doing? Filling you too. Okay, now use that phrase because he'll use it later in chapter 6 of this. Do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the... Okay, what? Filled means, all right, what's my influence? What's the influence in my life? If you're drunk on wine, what's the influence in your life? Wine. All right, so if you're filled with the Spirit, guess what the influence in your life is? It goes back to that yield to that Spirit so that Christ is comfortable, and then you will be filled with the love of Christ. And in case you were wondering, that does surpass knowledge. Why? Mankind can't grasp it. Mankind has no idea what it is. I mean, go look at it. Go look at the love, love movies and all them silly things like that. And that, that ain't love. It's emotional sentimentalism or something. I don't know. When Christ is settled, then you are rooted and grounded in what? Love. You can't have a love experience. You cannot have a love life if Christ is not settled in you. Unless you have love as your foundation. That's why he uses the terms rooted and grounded. Okay, Because you can say, well, I'm grounded in love, but how deep are your roots in love? Love as my rock. As the very roots of my being. Why? Because Christ is comfortable. So when you think about your walk with Christ and you have surrendered to the Holy Spirit, we have to understand that our very roots are what? Love. As Christ fills your heart, love rules. It just takes off. Love. Have you ever thought of that? God so loved the world. He gave his best. Right? Did you ever think that you as a believer, your foundation is what? Love. It is love. Love is the bottom line. Love is what everything else in your life is built upon as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember Romans 5, 5? At the moment you were saved, that very instance, that instantaneous time, God's love was poured on your heart by the Holy Spirit. Spirit. That's the first thing out of the gate. You get that instantaneously at the moment of your salvation. God's love comes in us. His love is there now if you're a believer. So it's expected that we love. Why? I've got this big well of God's love. It's the most normal thing in the world for a Christian to live a love life.
Okay? When Paul was writing to the Thessalonians, I remember this. He says, I do not need to speak to you on love. You've been taught of God to love. That's fundamental. Should be. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. God is love. God is so much love that He gave His best. Peter tells us, you're born again unto fervent love for the brethren. So, it's expected. Should be the one thing that delineates us from everything. Listen, now, if you don't experience a total life of love, it's not because it isn't there. It's because you have never allowed it to function. It's there. If you're a believer, it's there. Love of God's already been poured into your heart. I, let me give you an illustration of this. Which is easier? To breathe or to hold your breath? Okay. Now, you, right now you're breathing. And you know, you weren't even thinking about it until I happened to mention it. All right? You know why? Because breathing is natural. I don't have to think about it. Every once in a while, if I'm riding that stationary bicycle, I'm thinking about it pretty hard. But other than that, I don't really think about it much during the course of a day. Holding your breath. Now, what you're doing is you are fighting against the natural. All right? That's why it's harder. I, barometric pressure of our atmosphere causes you to breathe. When I was doing extreme mountaineering and just some of the crazy stuff that I'm glad I outgrew it. But anyway, I, you learn the technique to breathe. You breathe out. You know how when you're really, you've got a pack on and you're up 14,000 feet and all of a sudden you find yourself <laughs> like that. Well, what I learned was all I did was concentrating on exhaling. You know Why? Your lungs will fill up by themselves. I don't have to think about them refilling. All I do is exhale it and get me some new air. So it's, it's natural. So, okay, with that illustration firmly ensconced in your brain. Okay, believer, the love of God has been poured in your heart. Guess what's natural? That should touch everyone around you. It should be a way of life. I told you back in 1 Corinthians 13, a millennial ago, that love is a verb. It's not emotions. It's actions. That should be a way of life. But you know what I've learned? There's an awful lot of people 
who are holding their breath. They're not acting naturally as a Christian. All that is, is self-will resisting the love of God. Okay? Which every believer possesses. But all it is, is selfish pride. That's all it is. That's all it is. Love is the most normal thing for a Christian to do. It's the most natural thing for a Christian to do. So, once I have strength in my inner man, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and Christ, and I have yielded to the Spirit, so that now Christ is comfortable, then Christ overwhelms us. And as He is overwhelming your life, you should be characterized by the very love that held Christ on that cross. And He tells you here, verse 18, the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Okay, but I want to just comprehend. Verse 18, you may be able to comprehend with all of the saints. Okay, that's a compound word. Okay, the basis of the word is lombato. Okay, but what that lombata means is to receive something. Okay, somebody gives you something and you receive it. But this is another one of those compound words. Kato's in the front of it. What does kato do to the verb? Intensifies it. Okay, you know what it means when you put a kato in front of it? It's not to receive something. It is to seize something. To grab a hold of it. To make it your own. This is mine. Hmm. That gives an odd meaning to that, doesn't it? I want to seize. To comprehend. I want to grasp with all of the saints. The love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Okay, so if you look at how Paul's laying this thing out on this love and its abundance and its miraculous abilities is that I not only have a life that is built on love that is rooted and grounded, but I have a love that I have taken and seized possession of. It is my personal treasure. You seize that love. You make it your own. Not only do we have a foundation of love when Christ fills our lives. 
but we grasp that love. Every opportunity to love. Think about that for a second. The love of Christ in a believer when Christ is comfortable because that believer was strengthened in the inner man is now my personal treasure. It is my personal possession. That's what that word means. To comprehend it. I have seized it. I have made it my own. So the actions of my love that people may see is just Christ. It's just Christ. Whatever you see in me that you think is honorable and pure and all this other stuff, just understand, ain't me. That's Christ. Of course, I, maybe you guys don't see nothing like that, but whatever. But you see what I'm trying to get at? Because when he uses that phrasing, rooted and grounded, okay, that is so awesome to me because he, you can sit and say, okay, well, here's the ground and I'm firmly on the ground. No, man, it's more than that. You got deep roots. These big old deep roots. And you are firmly planted. But then you comprehend it. Or you kato lombato. You seize it. And you grab a hold of that. And you hold on to it. Like it is the single most important thing to you. Now then. Anybody feel adequate for that? Now do you understand why the Apostle Paul begins by saying, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. I want these people to be strengthened in the inner man by the mighty power of the Spirit of the living God. And that the Holy Son of God, in all of His majesty, all of His glory, all of His splendor, would be absolutely comfortable and settled in that believer. And at that time, they will understand what it means to have a firm foundation with deep roots of the love of Christ in that believer. And they can seize it and make it their own. Now, you, all of this, take, grab a hold of it. Do you remember in the book of Acts, they used to make fun of Christians and they used a derogatory name for them. You know what it was? Christians. And in, in the original language, it's little Christ. Little Christ. Hope so. I mean, it was originally done as a slanderous thing. But, but you know, now it's a badge of honor. Well, I don't know about that anymore because everybody seems to be one these days. 
this should be our most desired thing. Do you see how this works? You got that information. It's up here, right? You get stronger in the inner man, and all of a sudden it comes here. And when it comes here, you know what starts happening? Everybody else sees little Christ. To comprehend with all of the saints. To grab this and seize this with all of the saints. To cling to this with all of the saints. We can know. We can experience the love of Christ. That literally surpasses knowledge. You know what that means? You and I can't grasp it. Humans can't grasp it. I shared with you, the world has no ability whatsoever to do anything, to deal with anything in the inner man. Can't do it. And if you think about it, it's physically impossible. I just asked one simple question. How are you going to adjust that conscience? You're going to give them a drug to adjust that concept? Well, that's pure Einstein right there, isn't it? No. That ain't going to adjust no conscience. So you see, see what the Apostle Paul is trying to get at. And do you see how these are linked? You can't change this. You can't change the order. Well, I will start with the love thing first because that's more fun. Okay, we'll do that one and then I'll come back and deal with the inner man a little later. Well, the inner man is what's keeping you from showing the love of Christ. That's why it takes miraculous superpower of the spirit of the living God to deal with it. And then when he deals with it, all of a sudden Christ becomes comfortable. Christ becomes at home. He is at ease. He's not up cleaning everything all the time. And then you start realizing the love of Christ. And it will overwhelm you. It will overtake you. It will consume you. And when it does that, guess what happens? You spill it on people. You know? If the Holy Spirit poured the love of God in me, at some point or another, I'm going to spill. Right? Go back to my illustration on breathing. Which is easier? Is it easier to love as Christ or to withhold that love? Think about it. Because, you know, we can all sit and say, well, common sense says it's easier to love as Christ. Really? Remember what I told you. See, I ain't nowhere near done with this verse. Okay, there's a reason that he puts in there the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. There's a reason that he uses that. We'll get it 
here in another year, but we'll get it. <laughs> okay? We have to know these things. I told you. Love is a verb. Okay? You're given an illustration every Easter. We call it Good Friday. What is the illustration of love? Mm. That's what you call sacrificial action. That's why the Apostle Paul jumps into it there and says the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. We'll get into that. But I want to ask you a question. I asked you guys before we, when we first started moving into these verses, that you should pray this thing for yourselves every day. And once you get comfortable with it, then pray for others that you may know. Pray this, just like it is. And please keep it in order. Okay? Because remember, these are henna purpose clauses. <laughs> so that will happen, okay? I hope you're doing that. If you're not praying for other people, at least pray it for yourself. And then take inventory. Am I stronger in the inner man? Okay. Is it easier to say yes to the spirit than it was a day ago? Or do I still have to, well, why do you want me to do that? Well, that seems dumb. But if you, you do that, then Christ is at home. These little closet fulls of hidden sins that we have. He starts cleaning those out. Get them out of here. Get out of here. But do you see now why a believer should never marry an unbeliever? How is an unbeliever going to love like that? Unbeliever can't do that. It's impossible. But they'll blink their eyes. They still do that. Oh, I love you. Do they do that? Or is that just something I've seen on TV? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't ever remember doing that. Anytime I did that, I had something in my eye. But, uh, but you see what I'm trying to get at? It's impossible. One believer can't do that. To be rooted and grounded in love, a love that surpasses knowledge, what unbeliever is going to pull that off? I'm still trying to get the believers to pull that off. Why? Because I want to see exceedingly abundantly beyond what we can think or ask. That's what I want to see. And that don't happen until you're rooted and grounded in love that surpasses knowledge and you seize it so you can comprehend it with all the saints. And that don't happen until Christ is at home in your life. And that don't happen until the Holy Spirit has strengthened you in the inner man. But we're on our way. Continue to pray this. At least for yourself. At least for yourself. And we will watch God do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we can think or ask. Okay? Let us pray. Father, we come before you in amazement. Uh, Father, I stand in amazement at the simplicity of this text. And yet, as I see the simple five-step 
solution, I begin to see how massive our salvation truly is. Father, help us to comprehend with all the saints. Father, help us to have very grounded and rooted love. Father, help us to have Christ at home in our souls as your power of your spirit to the riches of your glory would strengthen us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for so much. In Christ's name, amen.